hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. You've probably said, hey, this is it's too good to be true. What's the catch? And, and you know our American mantra, some of our language facilitates this because we say things like, hey, you get what you pay for, or things like, you get what you earn. And you know what? There's some value in that. In fact, the scripture brings value into that type of mentality. In other words, Paul says if a person is able to work, has the opportunity to work, they should work, and, and they should earn. And, and, and so we understand that in, in the light sometimes of, of financial relationships and and our own world, our own life, for those of us who work, those of you who maybe have work and you've transitioned into retirement. But it's not a bad thought. It's a good thing. But, but we will bring that idea often into our spiritual relationship with God. We, we, we will bring that same idea, if we're not careful, that we think, okay, God relates to me as I relate to my paycheck or as I relate to my possession. That isn't how God relates to us. God doesn't relate to us based upon our goodness. God relates to us based upon the fullness of his grace in Jesus Christ. It's a vastly different paradigm of how God relates to us. And that's hard sometimes for us to understand because we've, we've had this ingrained in us, hopefully in a healthy way, you get what you pay for, you get what you earn, okay. But as that bleeds into our relationship with God, we have the, the, the audacity from time to time to think, well, that's how God relates to me, and it isn't at all. He relates on the basis of his grace. Well, what is grace? What is this word that we see throughout the Scripture? What is this word that many of us have sang a song called Amazing Grace, and, and some of us can probably sing much of that song just from memory. We've sang it so much. What is this grace that we see in the Scriptures? Well, kind of the, 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 the simple, irreducible, minimal definition is that grace is God's unmerited favor. Oh, what a, what a beautiful definition, right? His unmerited favor. In the New Testament, we see that the word is charis, and it carries with this idea that it's a state. It's an attitude of kindness toward others for their benefit. But we can even go back to the Old Testament, and we see this idea of God's grace at work. In fact, we see it in the Garden of Eden, right out of the beginning of time and creation. God's grace intersects Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In chapter 3, you may know the story, Adam and Eve, they... They sin. They disobey what God tells them to do. That's called sin. Out of that sin, the Scripture says that they begin to realize that now they are naked. As a result, they begin to experience shame. And, and they try to cover their, their own shame, right? They try to do what they can. Does that sound familiar? And they try to cover what has happened and the, the depth of that sin and shame on their life. But, but we see later on in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, that God himself, intersects their lives with his loving kindness, and he covers them with animal skins. 
Now, there's something deep going on here. There's something significant that just happened in Genesis 3.21. And while sin brought shame, God in his loving kindness, the Hebrew word is hesed, loving kindness. It's, it's God's covenantal loyalty with his people acting on their behalf. So he covers their sin and their shame with, with the skin of animals. So th- there's a sacrifice that's taken place. Blood has been shed in the garden, and God's grace now has come to light. It's the first expression of the gospel, the first expression of this good news that we actually see later on in the scriptures where Christ sacrifices his life on the cross. As you work your way through the Old Testament, you get into the book of Ruth. What a beautiful book, right? What a beautiful book. And in that book, you see this idea of loving kindness, hesed, grace, interwoven in an amazing story. Fast forward to the New Testament, right? Fast forward to the New Testament, John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. Let's read these. Uh, They'll be on your screen if you do not have a Bible or electronic advice, but read along with me. The Scripture says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. There it is. The fullest manifestation of grace the world has ever seen is Jesus Christ. Verse 15, John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. Verse 16, for from him the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Are you getting the picture? Here's Jesus, the full expression of grace. What I want to do is I want to go to the amplified version and look at how the amplified version does a college try, right? The old yeoman's effort to translate the thought that's happening in this verse. Notice the amplified version. For out of his fullness, here it is, the superabundance of His grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. The translators of the Amplified, they are trying to figure out what is the extent and depth of this grace that John is mentioning here in the Scriptures. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. You might be thinking, and you've heard this word before, if you've been a part of of a Christian community and Christian circles, you've listened to Christian radio, you've heard this idea of grace. And what happens is that as we hear the grace, we, we can't comprehend that it's true. It's too good to be true. What's the catch? When is God going to pull the spiritual rug out from under my life? Because we, we said in context like this, or when we're alone or in conversations with others, we will often say to ourselves, yeah, but, but they don't know what I've done. They don't know who I've been. They don't know the extent of my sin. Uh, that's the good news. Grace is not conditioned on what we've done. It's only conditioned on what the Father has done through Jesus Christ. It's not what you and I have done. It's what the Father has did through His Son, Jesus Christ. 
So let's do a little New Testament case study. How about that? You ready for that? little New Testament case study. There's a guy named Saul. All right? Saul. He's also known as Paul. But let's begin with Saul. He's introduced to us in the book of Acts and some things we know about Saul, that he was named after the first king of Israel. He was born a Jew. He was a Pharisee. But he was a Roman citizen based upon his father's side. We know that Paul had this thing in his life, in his heart. He had a passion. He had a zeal. But it was to destroy and stamp out the movement of Jesus. You probably know the story. We don't know the extent of the story, but the Scripture sheds light on this guy named Saul. He was passionate. He was zealous. He was going to stamp out the movement of Jesus. Seemed to be doing a pretty good job, actually. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, the Scripture says, and Saul approved of his death. Speaking of a man named Stephen who had just been stoned, as if to indicate that maybe Saul had the power or the authority maybe to stop that. But he's there. He's a part of it. And he approves the stoning of Stephen. You go to Acts chapter 9, verse 1. There it gives us a little more insight into Paul's life. There in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it talks about that Paul went about with these murderous threats. I want you to hear that language. That's what the Scripture says. Murderous threats against the New Testament church. That's Saul. Also in Acts chapter 9, Saul is ambushed by God's grace. He is ambushed on the way to Damascus where he is going to persecute the church, to stamp out the movement of Jesus, to arrest those Christians, house-to-house type of stuff. But he is ambushed by God's grace. He didn't see it coming. It was almost a spiritual sucker punch, if you will, right? And he's ambushed by this amazing grace, and it changed his life forever. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to 17, Paul gives us some insight into this life-changing encounter of grace. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, the Scripture says, And I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to service. Verse 13. Okay, are you ready? Look at the descriptive words that Paul uses about his life. Though formerly. Say that with me. Though formerly. All right, he's going to give us his former resume of what he was about. And look, look at these words. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a insolent opponent. Yeah. How about that for a resume, right? I blasphemed. Notice what he says. Blasphemy, persecutor, insolent opponent. That's Paul. Giving you the resume before grace intersected his life. Let's read on. Look at what he says. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. There it is. You see the realization? The grace of the Lord overflowed, right? Overflowed. Just didn't come into my life. It overflowed my life. And we know that Saul became Paul. One of the things I, I, I wish we would do more of in the church is when someone comes to faith, gets saved, I'd like a name change. Anybody else? Just pick your own name, right? Like, I want to be Rambo or whatever you want to be, right? I like the name change, right? There's a significant shift in Paul's life. 
He attributes it to the grace that overflowed and the love that are in Jesus Christ. Verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, notice what he says, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of King, ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. You see the case study? Because what we think is, yeah, this is great. I'm too far gone. You don't know what I've done, Pastor. You don't know what I've been up to. Again, grace is not based on what we have done, but it's what the Father has done for us through Jesus Christ. As we realize the power of grace, we begin to understand that grace is, 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 it comes to us in gentleness. It comes to us in gentleness. But it doesn't want to leave us where we are. Amen? It comes to us as we are. Everything in our lives, grace meets us where we are. But the beauty and the power of grace is that it loves us too much to leave us as we are. The purpose of God's grace in our life is to form us further into the image of Christ. That's the work of grace in our lives. To realize and receive God's grace, it is a life-changing breakthrough. I mean life-changing breakthrough. About 15 years ago, from time to time, I would meet with a friend uh, once a week, sometimes a couple times a month, and, and eventually... All my stuff, he's like, it's a little too much for me, Pastor. Why don't you go see a biblically-based counselor here in the Phoenix area? I'd never been to a counselor ever in my life. In fact, kind of my spiritual heritage was we don't do that. We kind of just spiritualize, you know, we pick ourselves up by our spiritual boots and move on. Okay. How many of you kind of grew up with that? That was kind of the mentality. So I did. I swallowed my pride and like, all right, I'll go. He says, I'll pay for it. You go. Like, okay. So I went. I went to the counselor's office. I was a little nervous. You know, I'd never been there. I'd been a pastor for years, and I'm sitting there, and we had an opening conversation, and he asked a few questions. And then I never remember. He says, hey, have you ever read Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace? I'm like, not only have I never read it, I've never heard of it. Who's Philip Yancey? By the way, I believe it was Billy Graham who said Philip Yancey was his favorite writer. So uh, he said, well, you, get, you, you need to read the book, and you probably don't need to come back. I'm like, fine with me. So I picked up the book, I read the book, and I begin to understand from, from Yancey's insight into the biblical definition and meaning of grace, it just became a transformative work in my life. Not Yancey's words, but Yancey's perspective on the biblical idea of grace. It is life-changing. Grace is life-changing. But our challenge is to understand it. How do we apprehend it? What, what, what do we do with it? You see, grace knows everything about us, right? It knows everything about what we are at right now, what we're thinking, what we've been about, 
the intent of the heart. Grace knows everything about us, our questions, our doubts, our brokenness, our shame, our regrets, yet his grace will meet us where we are. It will meet us right there in those places. And it is only limited by our unbelief in the promises and the power of Jesus Christ. When we look into the scriptures, we see God's grace actively at work. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, look at the people in the scriptures. Most of them, they're not having a great life. You know what I mean? There's some stuff going on. Look at Jesus. Look who he interacts with. He, he interacts with, with the sinful, the shameful, the, the, the broken, the blind, the, the lonely, the outcast, the leper, the prostitute. That's his world. And grace intersects their lives. Grace is so powerful that in the New Testament, we see it changing the lives of deeply religious people. That's the power of grace. That's the power of grace often in our culture because we're around religious people from time to time. And the power of grace is so vast and deep and meaningful that it can change those of us who are deeply religious. Isn't that good news? That's fantastic news. Someone said that man is born broken. We kind of, we mend, we, we, we live by mending, and grace is the glue. John tells us Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. I want you to think about that. Jesus Christ, full of grace, full of truth. What does that mean? That means he hasn't ran out of grace just yet. That means that you and I, the things that we need grace for in our lives, you're like, Pastor, if I receive his grace, I think he's, he's going to be emptied. No. He is full of grace and truth. And whatever's happening in our lives, God's grace is there. God's grace meets us there. And that's where we begin to think, but not what I've done, Pastor. Not what I've been about. Not where I've been. Not what I've said. Grace meets us at the most darkest, deepest, dangerous points of life and covers us with the love of the Father. As we take a moment to think about grace in our own lives, I want you to think about your own spiritual journey. What's your understanding of God's grace? What's your understanding of God's grace? Do we understand it as something to be earned? That's a pretty common understanding spiritually, is it not? It's kind of our nature. Can I earn this grace? But it's unmerited. Your understanding of grace may be, no, I'm too far gone. I'm done. It's over. I, I, I don't even want to think about the extent of God's grace in my life. Look at the case study of Paul, right? Look at the case study of Paul. So if you think about your spiritual journey, in relationship to God's amazing grace, what do you think about? How has it been alive and active in your life? How has it changed you? Do you understand it? Paul believed it was the core essence of his transformation. The core essence of his transformation. Tonight, I'm going to I want to talk to three, 
three different groups of people maybe in the room. First of all, maybe you're in the room and you've never met Jesus Christ. You've never, ever even understood the extent of His grace. You've never come to a place in your life where you intentionally said yes. You bowed a knee to Jesus Christ and you said yes to Him for the very first time. Friend, we're glad you're here, but just because you're here doesn't mean that His grace has intersected your life. Sitting in churches can be one of the most dangerous things we do in life. Being religious, it's a dangerous game to play. So maybe you're here tonight and you're like, Pastor, I don't don't know if I've ever said yes to His grace. I'm, I'm not sure. Is it that important? Paul himself, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, said it is by grace that we are saved through faith. It's not of ourselves so that no one can boast. It is the gift of God. Man, what would it look like tonight for you to walk out of this room knowing you were ambushed by God's grace? How would your life change all the shame? All the sin, all the setback, all the sorrow, all of that washed away, covered in the blood of Jesus. What would that feel like to walk out of here free in Christ? That'd be an amazing transformation. Paul said, it's by grace that we are saved through faith. Maybe you're already a believer. Let me just give you a challenge as well. Are you walking close with the Lord? Are you walking close with the Lord? Are you in fellowship with the Lord? You know, back in the day, I I grew up in the the Bible Belt. You know, on the Bible Belt, that thing that does this, whatever that is on your belt, that's where I grew up, right? I mean, not the the belt, not the back of the belt, like front of the belt. But we would often say, I need to rededicate my life. You remember that language? We use that language in our church, and we've kind of gotten away from that language. Like, yeah, it's archaic language. Actually, I think it's pretty good language. A recommitment, a refreshing, knowing that I'm not walking as I should walk. I'm not living as I should live. I'm not in the Scriptures. I'm not praying. I'm not interacting with other believers like I should. So, So maybe tonight... Your step of grace is to say, Father, I I know you've poured your grace in my life already. I've taken that for granted. Tonight, tonight, I want to recommit my life to you, Father. I want to recommit my life to you. I want to come back. I want to come back. And you know what? Grace says, come on, but we got a little work to do, right? Come on back, but we have a little work to do. And then the last group I'd like to just mentioned before we close is some of you just you need prayer man you're hurting you got things going on in your life you've not shared it with anyone but you know man you're like i could use some prayer tonight i could use prayer and that's okay that's a that's not an easy thing to step into but it's what the scripture calls us to do to pray for one another to encourage one another in the lord so in just a moment we're going to close our time together we're going to close the service and when we do I'm going to give you some instructions if you want to take a, a spiritual step. If you want to cross the line of faith, I'm going to be right here at the front. I'm going to stand here, right? And I'm going to invite you to come and say, Pastor, tell me more about receiving this grace found in Jesus. Let's have a conversation. 
Or maybe you're a believer. You're like, Pastor, will you, will you pray for me? I want to come. I want to get back where I need to be with, with Christ. Or you need prayer. All right? If you need prayer, we have uh, Jeff Lemons here is one of our elders. Jeff's going to be right over in this area. Okay? Jeff is an amazing man with a heart for the Lord. If you need prayer, when we close the service, make your way over there. You know, we're, Jeff's not going to get personal. He's just going to pray for you at the comfort level that you need prayer. If you'll just share with him, here's what I need prayer for, Jeff would be glad to pray for you. I love the passage in Hebrews 4.16. The Bible says, Let us then come with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, Wow, that we may receive mercy and find help in time of need. The incredible news is that there is no catch. The Lord is not going to pull the spiritual rug out from under your life. Grace is not too good to be true, but rather, grace is so good, and it is true. It's not too good to be true. It's so good, and it is true. Will you bow your heads with me as we close? Let's take a moment and... I would really just challenge you to just focus your, your heart and your mind on grace. The unmerited, unearned favor of God. How many ways has God granted His favor? We couldn't earn it. <clears throat> we didn't merit it. God granted it to us. If you're here tonight, you've never received Christ. I challenge you tonight, would you please consider surrendering your life to Jesus? You say, Jesus, I give you my life. I, I know you may not, like, Pastor, I don't even know what all that means. I, I have questions. I, that's okay. The first step is repentance and belief. God's grace in your life is not predicated on what you've done. It's all predicated on what the Father has done in His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Grace is so powerful and beautiful and rich, it cannot be purchased, it can only be received. I ask you tonight, are you willing to receive this grace found in Jesus Christ? If so, would you come share that with me at the end of our time together? If you're a believer, you're like, man, I've not been walking as I need to walk, Pastor. I want to recommit my life. I want to recommit my life, and, and I want to honor the grace that God has bestowed upon me and how I live. Would you also come to me and say, Pastor, I, I just want to let you know I'm recommitting my life. Will you pray for me? I'd love to do that. And then if you need prayer, Jeff will be over here to your left just for a few minutes. He'd love to pray with you about anything in your life. Just touch you and just pray for you. So, Lord, give us the grace, the courage to step into this next step for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.